Welcome to What God Has Done With My Pain. My name is Emily Alvarado and I am your host. On today's episode, man, I'm excited. Uh, I got to interview Rock Coyle, also known as Rocky. He's an incredible man with an incredible wife, Debbie. Um, Both amazing people. In this interview, I interview Rocky and he just is so forthcoming. He, oh my gosh, like I don't think I knew what to expect because normally walking into it, you know that you're interviewing somebody and you know that you're going to hear, you know, things that they overcame and overcame thanks to God and everything that God saw them through. But to see it from their perspective, you know, to to get it um, directly from them is is incredible. And he just, uh, he delivered it. Also, he has an incredible voice. Like, like Rocky has the voice for a podcast. Um, so that alone, like he just, his whole persona, it fits perfectly like he I mean I don't know but I, I I wish I could describe it but you'll hear it yourself and it's incredible um his just description of everything that he's been through and just how he's seen God in all of it is amazing and again like getting to see more of God's character in different people's lives and see that like you can't really put God in a box and label him that's not how it works. He works differently depending on the person. And I always like to say God curates depending on who you are and your personality. What might work for me might not work for somebody else. Same thing for skincare and same thing for reading a book and same thing for hair care. We're so different. Um, God meets us differently. So with that being said, I am so excited for you to listen to this podcast or this episode. Um, also, book go down because we did go a little bit over an hour, which I'm fine with. I am so happy that there's so much to unpack and to listen to and to just get into because I, I enjoyed it the entire way. I did not know what to expect and I just left feeling so fortunate and grateful to know Debbie and Rocky and what they've done um, and how they've done it with God's help and how God has made the impossible possible. So let's go ahead and get into that. I was the same way when I heard my own voice. I was like, oh dear, (laughs) it's going to take some time getting used to it. I know. All right. So, um, yeah. So are you originally from North Carolina? Let's start there. I'm I'm originally from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I was born and raised in the desert. So in the Valley of the Sun, that's where I was born. And all my family still lives in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, I was the guy that that left um, to chase my dream. I was uh, I played um, baseball was my passion, you know, so I grew up. With sports, that was the you know foundation. I if anybody's ever seen the movie um, Sandlot, that's a movie about baseball. But a lot of kids uh-huh. love that movie. But I grew up. I was like the ninth boy born into the neighborhood um, that could play baseball, and so oh, wow. I was a little guy. And so uh, being in Phoenix, Arizona, you know the, the the weather is amazing. Yeah. So I I. These guys trained me really pretty much, the guys I grew up with. So I played the Sandlot baseball coming up and had a passion for it. And I had a father who, um, my dad was a, a sports guy. He was he played basketball at the University of Arizona. 
he he was a boxer. He boxed. He was he was a man's man. And wow. so I and I there's five kids, and um, I was the second oldest of five. Yeah, I was gonna ask how many siblings you yeah. had. What was that like being the second oldest? Um, second is like, you know, you're not you don't have to be the head guy. You know, I was more of the uh, personality. You know, funny. Oh yeah, and, you didn't have to carry the responsibility. <clears throat> my older brother was the serious one, Kevin. So. Yeah. So it was me, Kevin, Rock. My name's Rock, R-O-C-K. So my dad gave me that name. And it was always hard because it was always hard because people couldn't hear what I was saying. They'd say Ron, Rob, Rob. (laughs) And you're like, no, that's why you spelled it. I have a friend like that who... Rock. Her name is Dina, but she got Dina something. So... I've had people, I've heard her say to people, Dina, D-I-N-A, Dina. Yeah. And that has always cracked me up. And it makes yeah. sense you just did it. So too. I just said Rocky after a while. Yeah. Because that's why the name Rocky came. But Rock is the name my dad gave me. And he, my mom named uh, my brother Kevin. Then my dad said, I'm going to name the next kid Rock. And so my mom goes, Rock? Like stone? Yeah. <laughs> but did, later on, it was prophetic almost because, um, you know, Rock, Peter's, Peter's name is Rock. And, the original language, Petros, is rock. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of almost prophetic that he gave me that name. Yeah. And so, and then my the next person born was my sister, Maureen. And so we're, we're second generation Irish. So, um, you know, immigrant into the United States. And um, so, you know, Maureen, Kevin's an Irish name. Rock is kind of like an Irish name, I think. But then there was Maureen and then... Uh, the next one was going to be born and my dad said, it's my turn. And my mom was like, you know, I'm not going to give his name another guy like rock or something, you know? Yeah. So she told my dad to go downstairs and get something after the baby was born. Mm. And, uh, well, she was gone. She named my little, little brother, Danny. <laughs> so he didn't get, my dad said, I never got to name anybody. She after him away. <laughs> I, I forgot something. Can you go grab that? <laughs> he came back up and Daniel Joseph was on the, you know, says Danny. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then we had a sister, Katie. So I was like, you know, oh my God. so everybody's got these, you know, you know, there's, so he bamboozled him. That's amazing. It was funny. My mom. And so my mom was an amazing woman. Uh, she was, she always gave to everyone. Um, uh-huh. She was a giver and there was always somebody eating in our house that I didn't know. She'd oh, always bring somebody amazing. in. That's inspiring. Yeah. So she always was uh, like that. I think, you know, her mother came over from Ireland and she was, uh, she was a, um, uh, her parents died. So she ended up in an orphanage. Her uncle was supposed to take care of her and he took the money and he put his, her brother and sister, her brother and her into an orphanage. Wow. It's interesting later on because I ended up adopting too. So it was like, but uh, she was raised in orphanage and kind of fought her way out of that and became a nurse. She actually is pretty feisty because after she got old enough to get out of the orphanage, she went to that uncle and he was, um, at a big business meeting and yeah. she walked in on it and said, I need to talk to you. And he says, I'm not going to talk to you. And he, he went privately office and she looked at him and said, if you don't um, pay for me to go to college, yeah. yeah, she goes, I'm going to tell everybody in town what you did to my brother and I. Oh my goodness. That's her big Hollywood <laughs> so, moment right there. So she oh, said, wow. he goes, he just looked at her and she goes, I want my brother out of the orphanage too. Wow. And she goes, what are you going to do? And he, she, he goes, what college do you want to go to? Oh, my goodness. So and what that, college did she end up going to? She ended up going to, um, she went to, and she's, they were in Cincinnati. I think she went to um, Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati. But 
Then she met my grandfather who was studying to be a doctor. Wow, that's an incredibly so, like, strong. So she was strong. And then they became successful because he was a surgeon and yeah. he got a disease that they would have been able to cure with um, cortisone. This is in the forties. Mm-hmm. My mom was 11 and uh, my grandfather died. And so I never got to know him, but he was, he lied about his age and was in World War One. So my, I had, my grandparents were, you know, my grandfather was in World War One, wow. which is crazy. Cause wow. you know, that was, but he was a young guy. He was like 16, he lied about his age. Yeah. So anyway, so he passes away. And then the guy that was helping him with his estate he um he embezzled all their money and they were penniless. They lost everything. So my grandmother again, she went back to work and yeah. my mom and them had nothing. So they grew up. I mean, my mom pretty much from that point on was they were poor because the guy had stolen every all their money. Mm-hmm. And there back then there wasn't ways to track things like yeah. that. So yeah. So they're penniless and my grandmother again. She's tough, you know. She came back yeah. up through that, and and was that around the Great Depression? That was forties. It was after the Depression. Oh, this so, was after World War One or two. That must have been hard because you get that, and then yeah. you get up, and then you get have that. Yeah, down again. Yeah. So she, and then she, my mom was pretty much just. They had older siblings, so she pretty much was that. So they. They moved out to, when they originally, they moved out to Arizona for a little while, then moved back to Ohio. And then my, she went back to Arizona to go to school and that's where she met my dad. Oh, wow. So yeah, my, and my mom and dad, they had one of these relationships that, I mean, (laughs) they were, they were in love like you'd never seen. So it was like. Do you know how they met? Like Yeah, they met, um, they met in college at uh, like a fraternity sorority thing. Oh, wow. And, you know, they met and. They fell in love. They had one of these relationships that was like, you know, made you sick. You know, <laughs> they always would dance. You come home, nobody would be there. They'd be dancing and oh, wow. playing music. And then they would dance in front of, you know, show us their moves. <laughs> you know, oh, and so, I imagine so, when you're like a teenager, that must yeah. have been so so like, mom, dad, stop. And then you kind of liked it too, because yeah. but they were really good dancers. Wow. So they had this like really cool... And they're always hugging and holding each other oh. and stuff like that. It was really cool to see that in front yeah. of you. So the, the, the real, but then I had a father who was, you know, a man's man, but the real foundation of my life, I mean, my mom was huge, uh, but uh, as far as my relationship with the Lord, you know, uh, we, my dad, uh, the, the foundation for me as an athlete really came from a father. And I know a lot of kids today don't have this, and this is like so important for a foundation as a, as a boy, young boy, but my dad could have been a real, um, you know, just pounding on me to be a great player and all this stuff. But the real turning point for me and for anybody who's any dad, who's out there that's listening or, or even uh, the moms, uh, you know, the blessing you put on a kid early on is foundational to him and what he does in the future. Mm -hmm. And I saw that with me. He gave me a good name. And then um, even to this, I'm 62 years old. And the real foundation came when I was, when I started playing Little League Baseball, I was already good because I was athletic. And then I had a dad that would play catch with me. And I played with those boys in Sandlot Ball yeah. when I was little from when I could barely walk. So when I started playing Little League, I was like the best player. And everybody, every time I come up to bat, be like, hey, Rocky's up, move back, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> But I didn't know it. I wasn't like a guy who like was real cocky or that kind of yeah. stuff. I just played because I thought I want. My biggest mistake in life is I want everybody to be happy and, yeah. and like me. Yeah. Which 
that's not going to happen. Yeah. But then I didn't know it. I thought everybody was like that. So I didn't, I want everybody to get on the team and I thought they liked yeah. me doing good. Yeah. But my last game, I was up to bat and I hadn't really struck out. I hadn't struck out, you know, I had success. And the last time up, I struck out. This I, guy threw it. I foul tipped the ball and catcher caught it and they struck me out. And they mobbed the pitcher. The pitcher yeah. that struck me out because everybody in the whole league was like, we finally got this guy out. But I didn't look at myself that way. You know, I didn't know. Yeah. Everybody felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this oh, is the so real. That was like a moment of realization. Yeah, wow. of of the way people are. Yeah, you know how life is. Yeah. And my dad would come to the games, but he never sat with parents because he just didn't like the way parents yelled and stuff at mm. their kids. So he would stand way down yeah. the left field line with his arms crossed, and he would just watch. And he saw it happening, you know. And uh, so I'm standing there, and I didn't. I wasn't upset that I struck out. But I saw these guys going crazy. And then I came over to my bench and they were happy. They yeah. were clapping. Then I got out my own teammates. Yeah, yeah. They were happy. Yeah, that you were struck out. That I struck out. Yeah. And then parents were cheering that I got out and everybody there was cheering yeah. that I got out. And I was like, I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. You know? And um, and so, you know, I started crying. I remember I cried and I was like, I was confused. Yeah. I mean, the last thing you imagine is that your own team is excited that you failed in a sense, yeah. like that you didn't hit the mark. Right. Yeah. So, um, and this is really the foundation of kind of like a, a father. And my dad didn't know the Lord then, but this is kind of like the beginning of that. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I go home and I'm in my room and I'm, I'm, I'm crying in my room. And uh, he, um, he, you know, he came in there and he says, uh, he, he sat me down. He always made me look at him in the eyes. I didn't like that in high school, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <clears throat> but so he um, he looks me in the eyes and he and he uh, sat me in his lap and he says, uh, you know, uh, Rock, what are you what are you crying about? And I said, Hey, Dad, I'm I'm so sorry. I failed you. I, you know, I apologize. You know, and I started going this, and he, and he goes, uh, he was looking me in the eyes. He says, um, Let me tell you something before you start this thing called life. Mm. He says, um, I don't I don't care if you get four hits in a game. He says, I don't care if you're an All-American. He goes, I don't even care if you play professional ball. He said, you look at me and hear this. He said, I love you. Wow. That is so good. Because you're my son. Yeah. Wow. And the funny thing is, um, I went on to be an All-American. Wow. In high school and college, and I played professionally. Wow. But the key was that um, he spoke into my yeah. heart. Wow. Which he, I saw later on, you know, you know, I understood that. So when I played ball, people yeah. always were amazed at me. Um, you know, uh, yeah. recently my dad came and I teach lessons now and he was sitting watching and he stayed there the whole day and he just was so proud. He said, dad, I go, dad, you're going to be sitting here forever. No. And some kid asked him what kind of player, what kind of ball player was your son? Yeah. My dad and I are opposites, you know, so he's a X's and O's guy. He's like, boom, boom, boom. boom. He was a basketball coach. And I'm like, I run through the wall and I'm like, <laughs> my shirt's untucked and, you know, and I drove him crazy, but he always loved who I was. Yeah. And so, but he would always, he loves to do um, like uh, definitions of words and yeah. 
and he looks at the kid like a coach and he says, um, I'm going to, that's my second born rock. He yeah. said, I'm going to tell you the word. And if you don't know the word, I'll give you the definition. And I'm, and I'm throwing pitches to these kids listening to yeah, my your, dad your going, grew 10 times I'm longer. like, what word is he going to use for me? You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and now you got to remember back when he did that for me as a kid. Yeah. I was going to ask how old were you when that happened? Um, Eight. Wow. Eight. I think that what he did in that moment was just redirect your eyes to your true value in his right. heart. Like, like just, I didn't have to earn it. You, you already had it. And he sat That's there right. and just told you. Security. Like, that was amazing. Foundation security. And this is the word that he's going to use later on. Now I'm 62. Wow. Now he says to the kid, he goes, the word that I would use for my son rock is tenacious. Wow. And I'm like listening to that. <laughs> then he gave the definition of the word tenacious. Yeah. And he goes, you did not want to play him because he would play with everything he had wow. and he would never quit. Speaking over your person too and who you are. Exactly. And so, you know, I heard that, but the tenacity he didn't realize came from him. Yeah. When he spoke that into me. So, so what happens to a child is when you speak life into a child, when you speak life into them and you put a blessing on, he didn't even know he was doing it because you know, he hadn't, yeah. didn't even know the Lord then, but he was a good man. He was a man that loved, knew how to love. Yeah. And so, and, but he was a man's man. Now he was no, you know, we weren't babies and wimps. Yeah. I mean, he taught us to, you know, we knew how to fight and to survive and mm -hmm. to do that, but also to be, um, you know, to, to, to be fair and to be, you know. Yeah. But when I, I didn't have any fear when I played. I didn't have a fear that if I failed, I wouldn't be loved. Yeah. So I knew that I couldn't lose. I mean, I, I knew that that was security for a child, for any child to know yeah. that. And that's what I try to do with the little kids, the girls that I adopted too. Yeah. You know, I try to speak in the same way, but you speak life into people. Yeah. Like even when you walk into somebody in the store or something, they might be, you speak words of, of life into them and that, they don't even realize. That's really good. It reminds me of the Hebrew word nefesh, which is throat. And also it, it's a, re a relation to soul because yes. in biblical context, like nefesh is the soul and it's, it's what you take in and what you take out, like what exactly. you choose to breathe into your, into yourself, whether it's positivity <sighs> or negativity, but also how you choose to speak onto others. Right. And in the biblical text, it shows <clears throat> How I choose to speak, whether to you or Debbie or my own son, will determine what the outcome is. Like if I were to walk up to Debbie and was straight up and forward, she would receive it well because that's her character versus yes. my son. I need to speak more into life and right. and direct, but we're from, from a positive standpoint, like you're speaking, yep. because he's receiving that from his nefesh and everything that he takes. Mm. And, and you model that. Um, so that's, that is so good because that speaks to the Hebrew word in effect. Amen. That's yeah. great. Great yeah. analogy. Good job. That I is know. really good. <laughs> I, I, it blew my mind when I first heard it. Also like um, Shema, which means listen. Yes. So when you pair the two together, they're very powerful because your nefesh determines outward, inward. Um, but Shema means that you listen to the word and you take in the word, mm. um, which getting to know the transition of Hebrew words is amazing because then you yes, see it, it work in the lives of others and how others speak onto things and that's incredible. That's yeah. that's really good. And how about we take like a quick two minute break? Okay. We'll jump back in and I'll ask you um, about, you know, your father and your name, because that's, again, that's such a good name and off mm -hmm. of what you said about 
the word that he described you as really does fit your character. So let's do that. All right. So um, now that we're back, tell me a little bit about your name. Do you think that your name has played a part in your life? Oh, definitely. You know, I feel like it was from the Lord because it's really a picture. I think who I am, you know, I think names are like when we picked them out for our adopted daughters, there was a purpose. Yeah. And so I think my dad didn't necessarily understand it, but mm-hmm. at the time, but I think God was directing him that way because I think, you know, that's kind of like a, a perfect name for me, rock. Yeah. And, um, you know, people have always tried to make fun of it in some ways because people get, what's your brother's name? Boulder. You know, oh, no, what's your not. sister's name? Pebbles. You know? Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> no, it's I fun. just, I think it's funny how dedicated they were because I couldn't come up with that. They yeah. must have sat there and really simmered on it. Yeah, so, how that's right. that's, so, you know, it, but it, uh, yes, it is. It's been that name. And then I didn't realize that God was going to call me into ministry. So, And my, you know, the ministry that God called me into has not always been, I didn't always fit into it like a lot of people. Like Mm -hmm. I've never been a box person. Like I didn't fit in to quote the church, like because of my personality and what my gifts are. Because, you know, I'm not good at sitting in like business meetings and things like that. I'm most comfortable, you know, you know, at a a nursing home or at a school or, um, when somebody just loses their dad, mm-hmm. you know, I, for, yeah. you know, being at a mortuary, mm-hmm. I found why I feel weird that I, I feel comfortable here that, you know, yeah. I can minister to people Yeah, and people always come to me. It's weird, you know, in airports or when I was playing ball, I mean, you know, I, I can remember leading a bat boy to Jesus that that was at the game. Yeah. And I got this, te- I got this, uh, you know, I, you know, so my name, yes, that, that is definitely a part of my dad um, had a big part in, in that. And, but then later on he accepted Christ and through fellowship of Christian athletes. And then I started understanding what rock meant and that, that Jesus called Peter the rock, you know, yeah. so little rock. Do you remember what that was like seeing your dad come, come close or, or come in relationship? Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. It changed, you know, he was a coach and, I, you know, it wasn't that he was a bad dad. He was a good dad, but I saw how he, you know, when he did something wrong, he told us he was, you know, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Yeah. Just yeah. things like in his failures, he, I could see that he was like, yeah. I could Humble. see the change in him. And then he really yeah. wanted to tell people about the Lord. And um, wow. so, you know, it changed the whole concept. I mean, all five of the kids know Jesus now because of my dad and went to missionary. weird for you? Like... What's like, that? Was that weird for you when he was like, and now we're going to church and now we're doing. No, you things. know, we were kind of, yeah, it wasn't weird. It was something I didn't feel it was weird. I just saw it was like, I knew something was real mm. more so. See, when God works, it's, you know, it's, it's supernatural and you see the change and it's like, and even to somebody who you thought was a great guy, you know, it's like, uh, but you can see the change. There was a, there was a difference. It was, he was different. Yeah. And so, you know, I, it made me want that because he had built a relationship with me. It might have been harder if he was an idiot. And then I said, now he's, you know, yeah. and what's the deal? He's going to be a Jesus guy yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know. Yeah. But it was um, it was transforming, you know. It was like, it was good, you know. And I was like, but I don't think I'm that, you know. Mm, wow. I said, you know, because he asked me if I died, you know, where I'd go. And I, I thought I was a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I liked helping old ladies across the street or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, I think it was a foundational thing. You know, we, we were Irish Catholic. So, you know, we kind of had been around, you know, religion, but mm. never had understood what a relationship was yeah. with Jesus yeah. and a transformation. I think the difference is the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, when the Spirit of God is somewhere, it, it changes everything. You know, that's why when you walk into a room or when you go somewhere, the, the people think you're the guy and it's, or the lady, and yeah. it's not. It's God's spirit that does it, yeah. that brings conviction, uh, you know, opens people's hearts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so the spirit was on my dad, and that spirit came in my home. Mm. And it moved and it transformed our lives. Maureen and, or, you know, Kevin, Rock, uh, Maureen, Danny, Katie, you know, it, it transformed all of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to answer that, it was like, you know, I I, I saw the change and I, I could see it was something different, but it was something that I knew that was good because I saw that it was something yeah. that it was, you know, I started watching and then I, you know, I already wanted to be like my dad. So it was like, I, it just naturally will. And I think a dad who does that now, you, if you have a relationship with your kids, your whole household has a chance to, to come to Christ, Yeah, you know, that way. Setting the tone. Setting the tone. Yeah. And so, you know, God, you know, anybody that's listening and you always have to remember no matter how things are going or, you know, the mistakes, different things we have, that God has always had plan A, mm. not plan B, you know, leaving professional baseball. When I left professional baseball, I felt like, you know, this is just me now, my flesh. Later on, what people pointed out, they said, oh, you almost made it. You almost made it. And then I, I left and went in the ministry, started working with kids in the inner city and, and doing that. And the year that I left baseball, um, the team that I played for won the World Series. Oh, wow. And all my friends were celebrating on TV and I was emptying garbage cans and and in an in a inner city church wow. going back to school wow. and all my friends were successful on TV. Yeah. Talk me through that. Like, yeah. What was that like it was, leading it, up to it and then turning and listening to your call? Yeah. And it was even, hard. Even it, up to that point where you're emptying trash. Yeah. Cause we have, we had no money. Mm. I was going back to school. I never felt smart in school. So I knew that I was going to do that. I never looked at myself as a pastor, you know, me and a pastor, that's the last thing in the world that I ever thought, you know? And um, so it was really, to this day, the enemy tries to play on that because, you know, all my callings have not been easy. I mean, as far as like, quote that, I've had to kind of die to myself and to go. So to watch that, not only once, but twice, you know, the two teams I played on won the World Series after I left. So I never got to be a part of that. Yeah. So, I mean, the enemy's like, look at, what could have been. So it was real in front yeah. of my face. Yeah. But yet, like I said, God has plan A. He was, he had purposed for that. And it was really hard. I'm not going to say it was easy because it's hard because, you know, we, we didn't have money. We, it was hard to eat and, I'm, yeah. and you know, we're ministering in the inner city. And, and But yet I look back at it and um, to see the amount of kids' lives that were, you know, I probably won't see those until, you know, I get to heaven. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like yeah. laying your treasures up in heaven. Like, although here on earth, there was this being accomplished after right. you walked away, 
and the enemy's like rubbing it in your face and like, look what yes. you missed out on. Look what you could have had had you stayed on the path that exactly. you're on and not listened to your calling. But then it's like on the other end, it's like, oh, but like the treasures that you have stored up, that stored up in heaven, like the right. tears that are have gone on for every life that you touched, for every person's heart who was transformed through your willingness and openness, and also for the people that you were willing to see who others chose not to see. And yes. so like that is that is incredible because you're right, like the enemy will rub it in your face oh. and just... He does it to this day. Oh, yeah. Because now they're coaches and they're making more, the guys that were my teammates were coaches now and they're on television and they're, so you're, and the enemy lies and then you're here, you know, I'm trying to help support these five girls and I'm 62 and I'm working 13 yeah. hours and, you know, yeah. and the, the lie that you're not anything, you didn't succeed. It, all the reason I'm saying, I know the truth. Yeah. I know what the truth is, but anybody out there who's battling feels like, you know, hey, you know, there's something wrong with me. No, you battle. The enemy always seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came, you might have life. Yeah. So yeah, I battle with that. But then I have to keep telling myself the truth. And that's yeah. what you have to do. You have to tell yourself the truth. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the plans he has for me, for good and not evil, you know, to give you a future yeah. and a hope. Yeah. He's planted everything along the way. And so now I try to embrace each day. And say, this is where he's called me. This is who he, you know, is. I'm going to, you know, this is going to be, you know, God's going to work in a powerful way. And, you know, I know one day there's thousands and thousands of kids that know Christ because God used me. Yeah. And I see it throughout baseball. I saw it that I was faithful from the time, you know, I met Jesus at 18. I'm a professional baseball. I was a college ball player as a Christian. All the temptations. Yeah. I kept my testimony through all that stuff. It was wow. real for me. It wasn't some game. Yeah. Yeah. And then through professional baseball, coming out of the locker rooms and all the temptations mm -hmm. and being a, a man of God. You know, it's funny, Debbie, you talk about, I come out of the locker room, Debbie, go, girls would go, ooh, Rocky. You know, ask <laughs> Debbie about it. Because I, I was I really, will. I was really I big muscles, you know, and they I go, pull Debbie aside. And, and, yeah, ask her about it. So laugh. Because Debbie would be sitting there with my kid. Yeah. Oh, she, I know Debbie was And not she's like, it. no, she just goes, Oh, okay, I need a night off. You girls, here, you 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 watch Josh for me. I want to go out tonight. You think he's so cool? <laughs> and then, oh, Mrs. Coyle, you know, it was so funny because she just was. But anyway, but she always was good about that yeah. and just laughing. But no, but keeping your testimony through that on the road because yeah. so easily. But I can say here on this podcast, I always kept myself true to God and to that, mm -hmm. and I always tried to put myself around people. They were on the team that had like-minded mm -hmm. as yes. me to yes. walk with that. Because we're out here and there's no way you can do it. Iron sharpens iron. You know, there's no way you can't do it without, yeah. you know, with, you, you can't do it on your own. And yeah. to sit there and say, I'm strong enough to do this is, is a lie. You need you a know? community and you need one that's going yes. to sharpen you. And, and speak it and tell you the truth. Hey, man, what are you doing? Yeah. Call you out on the yeah. things that you're doing. Because like you, we talked about it before we started recording, but like. It's great to have someone speak life into you. It's another thing to have someone enable you while you're doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. Exactly. You know, even in like a relationship or a marriage, if you if you realize that there's someone who is um, like cheating, you're not going to start a fire by going to the spouse, but you're going to go directly to the source and say, hey, like, what are you doing? Exactly. What is going on here? What, what We need to bring attention to this. Like you, you need yeah. to reflect on what's going on versus being like, Oh, I'm sure there's something going on. I'm sure that you, you know, are going through some stuff. Like yeah. you'll 
it, it's so like, yeah, it's very important what crowd you're with. And so like mindedness is so important finding because if you surround yourself with people who are only going to bring you down or even cheer when you fail and not tell you what your father told you of like, we love you regardless of success exactly. or failure. We love you for you and who you are and nothing that you do will bring value to you other than what you are doing now, which is just plainly existing. Exactly. So that, that is incredible. And do you remember, how did you get, how did God tell you or what were you doing? Do you remember when it was that you felt called to ministry or when you were like, like you had to really truly reflect, I have to step away. Like when did you feel that placed on your heart? Well, it was it, when in my profession, I kept getting blocked. I mean, I was oh. successful and I was putting up the numbers and it just, kept blocking i'm like what you know why am i not why am i not getting to where i need to go because all these things devastating things kept happening and it kept you know no yeah. I, you know but i also didn't feel like i was a minister i was like you want me to go into i'm not that that's not me Ooh. and I, i'll tell you something there was a story about speaking light i was in this is crazy but um i was in high school and i was 17 years old and i, I wasn't a christian yet and I was in class in college composition class, and I was always the. And the teacher's name was uh, Mr. Hughes, Richard Hughes. Ooh, okay. He was a guy. He was even. He was a really cool guy. But he used to come to all of our events. Yeah. He was a really hard teacher. So I, you know, I was kind of having fun. He'd let me cut up in class just a little <laughs> bit. He was because he, but he worked. He would make me work hard. So I'll never forget this. It was so crazy. I look back at my life. So I'm in class and I'm being goofy. And uh, Mr. Hughes is smiling and he's the guy that I used to give my paper to. He'd look at it and say, hey, try again. You know, yeah, I have to yeah. go back. <laughs> but he was a good teacher and I learned a lot. And so, but I was in class one day with all my friends. We were laughing. And he said to me this, and I'm not kidding you, what the, he said here is unbelievable. He goes, you know, you'd be a good minister one day like a pastor. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> oh my all my God. friends were like, you know, rock man what are you kidding me you know it's like you know because they all used yeah. to hang out with me and i was yeah. like and i remember and they looking, know you it's kind of like when it's in the yeah. bible like your own town um, yeah. your own home can't accept you as a, a prophet because they yeah. they saw you grow up they exactly know you are. And, and so i'm sitting there in class and i was like i just didn't know i i didn't know what to say i was like i remember looking at him like he goes no and then guys were going me hey father rock you know hey father rock so <laughs> oh, so so you, you fast forward that he said that to me yeah. and i and i and i remember it wow so 30 years later my high school baseball coach dies and in his will he knew that i was a minister you know and he wanted me to do his funeral wow so they flew me the family flew me from here wow. in north carolina when i was living here wow they fly me to Arizona and I haven't seen my high school. See, I went away to play pro ball and all that stuff. So I haven't seen anybody in my high school. I never went to any high school reunions because yeah. I was always playing ball and I was away living in other parts of the country. I come back to this funeral. Everybody comes to Coach Coppinger's funeral. Oh my goodness. Coach Roy Coppinger. What a blast. So I'm up there and now I had been a minister for like 25 years. Wow. You know, so I already knew how to do that stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I was up there. And I'm, you know, I'm doing it and I'm really sad because I love my coach and I yeah. did the eulogy. I was doing the eulogy. And as I'm doing the eulogy, I look out and there's Mr. Hughes. He's like this, sitting out there with his arms folded. Oh and he's God. looking at me from the audience and he's shaking his head up and down like, and he go, he points at me in the middle of the sermon. He's going, 
told, told you. you so. He yeah. said he said he said it with his mouth. I could see it. Wow. And when I saw him, I knew exactly oh. what he was talking about. Goodness. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, Do you remember? I said, Yeah. I said, right when I looked, I already knew it. I saw you and I knew exactly you said that to me in class. And so I would have ever known, but so to look back, you know, I didn't feel like worthy of that, but you know, wow. it's like, you know, I, and I always, I, I've always battled with that. I always felt like a failure yeah. when we went through our freedom stuff. I always, and yet you talk to people around you, Oh God, man, how can you feel it? But that's just the way the enemy plays on you. Yeah. You know, I felt like a failure even as a minister. Cause yeah. I, two or three churches I went to, yeah. you know, people, maybe always didn't understand who I was in my heart, yeah. you know, and I would always trust people. And then pastors, yeah. three or three pastors I worked with fail. I mean, they, yeah. they've, did I, you know, then I got blamed and for, you know, just cause I stood up for what was right, you yeah. know, and I wasn't yeah. trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. And, and they, they stayed in power to try it in spite of, you know, and so I, I felt like a failure in ministry. Yeah. I felt like a failure in baseball. Yeah. I felt like a failure ministry. I felt like a fail, you know, all throughout because nothing was all these, you know, it was always behind. I did better when I was in the helping the guy that was you yeah. know, struggling or, yeah. you know, stuff that isn't seen. Because which that's is where fun. your puzzle piece fits the best. Yeah. Too, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I know um, like a story of this is in mind, but Martin grew up in the church. And so there was one, one pastor that to this day, like he absolutely adored, loved what, he stood for and um, he he was the type of pastor where he wanted outreach, constant outreach, like to the meek and the less. Like he wanted to reach those. He wanted to plant. He wanted to bring food and shelter. And the church, the reason uh, Martin and his family left that church was because that church drew that pastor out, unfortunately. And um, because of I don't know whether it was donors or what exactly, but he, he there was a letter that was sent out to everyone but that pastor. And um, Martin's parents received the letter and they were just hurt because it was just something, again, like behind someone's back, not mm. direct. And just saying like, this, our money shouldn't be going to this. Like we should be focused more on the actual church and the actual community already within the church. And that pastor basically got driven away because his heart was, outside of the church with the, those who, who needed yeah. to be reached. And um, so then, you know, he left and Martin's family left and they just, they were like, this is not the place for us because we really cared for him. And so I imagine like that can be very hard and defeating because his heart was in a similar place as yours. If like out there is what we need to be doing and focusing and kind of like it says in the Bible, it's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick right. who need a physician. So it's, it's very powerful. And, and, that's that's incredible because you do get hit with certain walls and I mean there there are you know people who follow Jesus and we do have some Pharisees and it's it's hard in in that because you're balancing and you're trying to I think in freedom I'm sure you saw the video but in one of the or at least it was talked about you can either always feel like you're falling short constantly all the time or you can get to a point where oh you feel like you're always doing everything right and everyone else is wrong like exactly. you they're not meeting their set expectations with their relationship with the lord and you reflect like because i'm so high up here you are so down there or you're constantly beating yourself up for it and you feel like oh i could be doing better but i'm not and one of my favorite things or to think about i i like to ask like 
close friends, who do you relate to most in the Bible? And I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I relate most to Peter or David. Why? Because I'm just like Peter in the sense of like, you tell me what we're doing. Let's go. Let's go, go, go. I'm on it. The, the swing the sword, cut the ear off. Yeah. I, I'm all down for God. And same with David, like it's beat down Goliath. But I'm also like David and Peter in their flaws. When pressure gets hard and I'm cut be- uh, caught between a wall and a hard place or rock in a hard place, it's it's yeah. interesting to think um, that I, I I can crumble just as easily. Like David in, in Psalms, he's like, oh, the Lord is so good and he's fantastic and almighty. And then he's like, oh, everything's horrible. I can't do anything right. I suck at this. I suck at that. And then it goes back to butterflies and rainbows. And then it goes back to like thunder and rain and same thing with Peter. It's, oh, Lord, I would never deny you. I'm here for you all the time. And then suddenly he's like, I have never seen that man before in yeah, my life. And, and so I relate to those two to where my passion for the Lord is there in the same sense that their passion is there. But I also admit that I can fall just as easy as David does That's right. because he's anointed. He's loved by God. He's accepted by the Lord. And to see one of the things that I've really been stuck on is reading the Old Testament and seeing how God will anoint these incredible men and something happens along the way where they fall. Solomon prays for wisdom. He gets wisdom, but then he falls due to the women that he is with and believing yes. in their gods. And David is doing fantastic. And even he won't, he had multiple opportunities to kill Saul and he does not do it because he recognizes that God's anointed one is to be left alone and not touched and that God will do what he feels best. And then out of nowhere, he's putting Bathsheba's husband in the front line. And and I'm like, where did you go from being this righteous man to where you are? And so I relate to that, to where sometimes the mind gets blurred and sometimes you can lose yourself. And I have to redirect myself to the Lord. So I really relate to Peter's attitude, to his like straightforwardness. Mm -hmm. Again, why Debbie cracks me up because I love just the directness of it. And so I biblically have always related to them. I wish I could relate to someone like Matthew or James. And like, I love their values, but I also recognize my flaws. Mm-hmm. And I love like the chosen, the TV show. I love getting yes. to see that character portrayed and being like, oh my gosh, that's that's me. I, I mm-hmm. have the same way of thinking and acting and all of those things. So have you ever related to a book in the Bible to a, to a person in the yeah, Bible? Yeah, I think that like some of the ones like you're talking about, but I think that, yeah, like, these they're human beings. They're not superstars. Yeah. And like I used to tell my youth group, I said, look, if you ever see me walking in the mall with somebody other than Debbie, you have every right to come up and ask me who it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You, you have a right to come up and ask me. I'm not, you know, cause I am, and I'm going to get mad and I'm going to, I don't want to get mad. Yeah. I don't want to have a bad day, but I, you know, I'm going to, I mean, so I, I w- I'm more the one that wants to make every, you know, I'm like a, maybe Barnabas or, James, you know, where I was trying to, um, you know, I, I see in the chosen, you know, his brother trying, you know, constantly trying to get him to, but I have a side of me that could fight too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I want to get, if somebody hurts somebody in my family, yeah, I want, you are going to pay. Yeah. I, I always fought when I grew up on people that were being picked on mm. or somebody that does something wrong and I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you will never do that again. Yeah. I'm saying, I can't believe that I did that. (laughs) Or when I'm driving, I don't want anybody to cut me off or to go faster than me. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel that way? Yeah. yeah. I could have a road rage here and then go and lead the guy to Jesus, you know? Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? (laughs) 
you know. Uh, so it, yeah, I, I think that probably I have a mixture of those, but I think what you're saying, what you said when you related to those two characters, uh, to, to be a, a, a Christian, I mean, to really be balanced in your life, to realize that when I would minister to people and they would tell me these awful things, I knew that I was just as capable of doing that. Yeah. Not to be self-righteous. I mean, they would die. I've heard horrible things, but I know that I'm a sinner that's only saved by grace. I mean, I, if I, I always tell people when I speak somewhere, I said, if I could show you on the screen, the things that I've done wrong or the thoughts that I've had, mm-hmm. it would be embarrassing it would be horrible, horrifying. Yeah. And to think that I'm some righteous guy, you know, I, I'm, I'm only saved by the blood of Jesus and, and it's only by his grace. And so when I talk to people, no matter where they're coming from, I've learned over the years that I, I just really take a deep breath and just try to um, listen. Yeah. Like the Hebrew word you were talking about. Yeah. And then, and then I try to say, Holy Spirit, speak Help me to speak into their lives. Yeah. Help me to speak into their lives what they need to hear and not what I want to tell them. Mm-hmm. And just to realize that I'm each day, I, like I drive home at night late and I, I get in the driveway and I just go, Lord, thank you for giving me the lessons. Thank you for, you know, thank you for loving me, you know, in spite of, you know, the things that I, I do. And, and I just know that it comes from him. I've always had a simple faith. Ever since I met him, and people always wanted me to be a complicated faith, and I always have been comfortable in just knowing that if God says it, I know he can do it. Yeah. I know he's able, and I know that if God made you, when I talk to a kid, when I, if he's made you, he's got a purpose and a plan. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't have all the answers, but I know I love Jesus, and I know that he's able to do anything. That's all I know. I just know he can do it. And there's just something about that I've always had. I just know that he knows you and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And so when I realize when you see that and and you don't act in a self-righteous, you know, ripping, yeah, you're going to, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. I I know that. Yeah. I know that. And so I guess that I, I don't want anybody to go there. Yeah. So I try to love, you know, I, it's not something that there's, I, I'm an evangelist in my heart mm-hmm. and I have, I'm high in mercy and high, I'm an evangelist. And I always used to wonder why sometimes I could be really, you know, like I can't stop. Yeah. And a guy told me one time, he said, cause I go, if I'm high in mercy, why do I, why am I so persistent sometimes? And he said, cause you don't want them to perish. Mm. You love them so much that you don't want them to. So you're like, yeah. you know, but it's like, it, it's like you, as you start understanding that, but it's all about being humble and broken and, and just taking that deep breath and saying, you know, Lord, use me right now. How can I be used in this situation? I want to be used today for you. Mm-hmm. And God will open up the doors and he will do it. And I see it every day in the batting cages and Every day I'm ministering to people in God's spirit and I'm just listening to his spirit and I try to listen to that and I know what his voice is. And when you know what it is, even when we adopted, it was like people like, you're 50 years old, what are you doing going to adopt? But I knew it was his voice. So I followed that voice, Debbie and I did. 
And if you listen to that voice, you'll see things and you'll do things that you never thought you could possibly ever do. Yeah. But then at the end, you're going, how great and how wonderful is our God? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's the one that did it. Each child was $45,000, 40 to 50,000, whatever, and paperwork and, you know, traveling and fear of going to these countries. And Debbie and I in our 50s, you know, tromping through India to get to this orphanage where there's 145 children, no air conditioning, it's hot. And here's this little girl that you've been praying for. And she comes around the corner and she's, you know, been burned and she had been burned and left to die on the side of the road. She was 13 pounds. Mm. And... I used to think I knew who God was. See, as you trust the Lord, he opens up, he shows you things that you never thought you would see and understand about yourself. When you step out of that comfort zone, when you step out of the boat and you trust him, like Mm -hmm. pastor kept doing yesterday, stepping out, stepping out. Do that step, yeah. Take that step. When you do, you see the power of God. That's why people ask me, how do you know God's real? I go, how long do you have? I can talk about Jesus all day and tell you every miracle and everything that he's done. When we're in this podcast, I could sit here for hours and tell you from the time I met Jesus and the exciting things that have gone on. Yeah. And, you know, to be in that orphanage and all of a sudden this little girl comes around the corner that you've been praying for and she looks up at you and you were a former pastor and professional baseball player and all American and all these things you thought you were. And I felt like about an inch high. And I looked at this little girl and she wouldn't even look up at me. And she said, uh, and the Lord spoke to my heart as clear as he ever has in my life. He said, um, this is my kingdom. Mm, yeah, It's the least. Yeah. And he said, and by the way, this was you before you knew me. Wow. You were scarred and you were broken and you had no hope. Wow. That is so true. And so I'm looking at it and I just see that who God is. Yeah. People say, well, how do you know God's real? And I said, you know, he, you see it, man, every day. Yeah. And so I looked at that and then the next thing you know, that one that we we're going to do turns into five. Wow. And every time there's a story and an exciting thing within each one yeah. of God's goodness and provision, people walk up and giving $10,000 and, wow. you know, just, I mean, just I could. That alone, like, it, it's heard of, but to experience someone yeah. giving you that so you're able to accomplish what he has called you to do. Like, yeah. God provides if he wants And they're to strangers. Work. Yeah. The, my, the family, close people, they gave, but not people I didn't even know gave more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that out is of nowhere, amazing. you know. That and, is amazing. And then all of them needed dental care. So we went in for one. <laughs> we go in for one so we could afford one. Yeah. The one that was the worst. So we get in and we could do her. Yeah. And, uh, so we, I'm thinking, okay, you know, payment plan, try to figure it out. And they were working that out. Yeah. So then I walk, I go to leave and the guy goes, um, I, oh, you need to go talk to my, yeah. my financial person. So I go in there and the lady goes, um, we've decided that we're going to give your daughter free, we're going to cover her costs for her braces. Wow. Free. Wow. I would have started crying. So I was sitting there, okay. I go, and he goes, every time you come in, don't, I won't embarrass you. Just come up like you're paying and we'll just give you the next appointment so you don't feel, you know. Yeah, wow. So he pays, they took care of her all the way through and and fixed her. She had messed up teeth 
First day I got her when she cried and didn't want to be with us, I looked at her teeth and said, oh my goodness, there's going to be dental work. <laughs> oh my so so she, they give it to her. And then they, after she's done with her program, they call us. Mm. The doctor calls us and says, can you guys be here at seven tomorrow? The whole staff's going to come in early. We want to put wow. braces on all your kids. Wow. That is amazing. So they put braces on all of our kids. And you look at the cost of what. Yeah. And it was free. I always say, like, to, people can say, you know, that, um, that they've never experienced God or that they don't believe. But it's like you just have to choose to see and experience because yeah. that is that is something that you can't overlook. To, the money, and especially in, in the world, is makes the world spin a lot of the times. Like people revolve themselves around um, currency and the value of it and what they can get. So to have a group of people collectively come together, all of their hearts connect and agree as a company to repair your daughter's teeth and like all of them, not just one, but like all of them, yeah. no cost to you, no payment plan to you because they could have at any oh. point, they could have buried you in payment plans and you could have yeah. done that and prayed about that. But they came together and they chose yeah. to do that. And that, and that's not easy work. You know, no. that's labor that they're, they're putting over on. time. They had a lot of appointments. Wow. Yeah. All free. Oh my God. And when I the first when we first went to adopt, I had saved ten thousand yeah. dollars. Didn't tell Debbie I'd saved it. I mean, they yeah. always tell you to have an emergency thing in case something happens. Yeah. And Debbie goes, "We need ten grand." I go, "I got ten grand." Yeah. She goes, "You do?" Ahead. And I said, "Wow, well, yeah, because I saved money on the side." And so I said, "We got enough to pay for the first payment for Leah." Yeah. Our yeah. first adoption. Yeah. All right. And the next day, our air conditioner went out. Oh. Isn't that the way that it goes? So the air conditioner goes out. The guy comes and he says it's going to be around $10,000. And I go outside and I'm like, God, I mean, you you wanted me to adopt this kid. I had the money. Mm. And now my air conditioner goes out. I mean, you're going to, I mean, Lord, I don't know what, you know, I got to pay this air conditioner thing. But the first payment's due tomorrow. Yeah. Or on Monday. It was about the weekend. And I just was out there. I go, this is you. I mean, yeah. I don't know what to do, God. And so... The guy comes and looks at this old guy. He comes and looks at it. He's a buddy of mine. He's a builder. And he looks at it and he says, um, he says, my friend says you're adopted. I said, yeah. He goes, I, he goes, I became a Christian about three, four weeks ago. I go, really wow. cool. I said, that's awesome, man. I said, late in life is some of the coolest times. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I was a hard dude. I said, that's okay, man. And I'm so thankful for you. So I said, well, can you fix it? It was summertime. And I go, just because he goes, I'll come by tomorrow and I'll look at it. Yeah. I said, I have a baseball camp. I said, I won't be here. We'll all be gone. Um, yeah. Debbie and I'll be gone. Debbie's yeah. got something. I said, but just you can go in the house, you know, whatever you need. So I come back and I look and all these Hispanic dudes are in my yard <laughs> when I got home. Like <laughs> 10 Hispanic guys, you know, and they're and the air conditioner is all uh it's a brand new one. Wow, back. wow. And I go, hey, bro. I said, what's up? And he goes, hey, man. He goes, um, you know, we gave you a new air conditioner. I said, <laughs> yeah. I, and I thought, that guy didn't understand me. Yeah. He didn't understand what I said. Yeah, yeah. And so I go, well, I'm going to have to give him the 10 grand. Yeah. I, you know, and I go in and it's a whole new unit in my wow. whole house. Wow. That's bigger crazy. than the other one. Wow. And I go up to this old, this older guy and um, I said, hey, um. Did, did I, he goes, look, don't panic. He goes, I just want you to know that I, I've never done anything even free for my mom. Mm, 
Wow. He said, I went to bed the other night after I talked to you. And he said, the Lord kept telling me, you have a brand new air conditioner that you got for free. And I want you to give it to this guy. Wow. That is amazing. And he said, I always sleep so good, but he goes, I couldn't sleep all night. I woke up in the morning and I knew I had to give this to you. That (laughs) is amazing. People don't put brand new air conditioners in your house for free. They do not. They do not. And so I couldn't run to the bank fast enough to pay for that other option. Yeah, yeah. I just said, so we have a new air conditioner, teeth. I'm not saying that God pays for everything because, you know, we work hard. But and if we it's pay God's will, God will find a way. Someone, I heard someone once say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And it stuck with me because it's true. It's true. It's, it's true. God will. Well, you think five kids, 45, 50,000. I was, I was a minister. Wow. You figure up about five, how much that is. Yeah. Flights. Food, bills, mm-hmm. and you know, but it's like, and you know, it's just it, it, the, the thing is, if God's in it, we win it. Mm, that is good. If he, if He's in it, then we don't have to fear. No. And the last little girl we adopted, we had done four, and we were we had a party, we celebrated. My dad flew in from Arizona. All the people that worked with us, they all, you know, thank you and. When we had left the last time, there was this little girl who cried because mm. she had taken care of our other two Chinese in China. Mm-hmm. We had two from India and three from China. But yeah. this is when we had four. Yeah. And we were done after four. We were like, oh, you know, Debbie and I were just ex- exhausted. You know, De- Debbie's homeschooling in second language and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so we were done and we were at the table and Chi Chi, uh, our first little girl from China, is interpreting from the new girl from China. Yeah. And she said, Mommy, this is after the party. Mommy, Daddy, uh, uh, Abigail say on when, that's the girl, the girl that was there. And she yeah. had a big wine stain on her face. Yeah. Red. She was so sweet. We had had lunch with her. And she said, uh, uh, Abigail say that on when she, she used to take care of us. And uh, mm. would feed us mm. wow. and keep her food and protect us. Wow. And I heard that. I was like, okay, I don't need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> so Debbie heard it and we had, I was at breakfast. Yeah. And so I go in and get in my shower and I was like, God, you want us to go get this little girl? God said, wait, there's more. Yeah, but I was like, but it's overwhelming because it's Mm. so hard to do. Yeah, I imagine. And I was like, we had just done four and we were like relieved that it was kind of over. You meant to do one and then four and even then you're like. And it's so, I mean, anybody who's done it, it's it's not easy. Mm. It's really hard in the spiritual warfare and everything. Mm. And I'm in the shower and I remember this peace to this day I, I don't understand what it was but it just like it just hit me on the top of my head it went all the way through my body and it was like he said don't worry mm. wow wow but I want you to do this yeah wow and Debbie was doing her makeup that's the only time we have good conversations like I'm in the shower she's doing her makeup <laughs> 
And she says uh, in her way, she goes, did you hear that this morning? Wow. I said, and I'm crying. Deb doesn't cry. I cry. She cries like (laughs) twice a year. (laughs) And when something, she cries, we're all like, oh no, oh no. What's wrong? You know, but uh, she goes, "Um, we got to go get her. Mm. I said, yeah. Wow. And it was impossible because in China, we, we call the people and they said, we said, what about this little girl? And the lady finally goes, you know, we're too old, right? And you can't go get her. And we're trying to make all these excuses. And the lady finally says, do you want to go get, are you guys interested in her? She says, uh, well, yeah. And she goes, well, it's, I think that she's available. I mean, nobody wants her. I mean, I think she's, they check into it. She finally calls us back and says, we got good news and bad news. The good news is. She, you can adopt her. The bad news is she turns 14 in three months. Mm. It usually takes a year to do an adoption with all the paperwork. They said when she turns 14, you can't get her, no matter even if you're there, if you don't have her. Mm. And why is that? Is it because, like... It's just the Chinese law. Oh, oh. So we just looked at each other and we prayed and we said, hey, let's, uh, wow. let's go for it. Wow. And we went for it. And that's all the money and all that stuff. And I do it in three months. It usually takes a year. And we went for it. And all of a sudden they call somebody and say, fly here. So we came and we got her three days before her birthday. Wow. I remember the Chinese guy goes, you barely make it. (laughs) I said, yeah. And that's, God has a a pattern with the number three too, because that's just, Yes, I love that. It was just, he was what? He has a pattern with the number three. Yeah. So it was, that was that's five, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, this a miracle, you know, we get her and we, we finish the five. Mm. And so, and so we, you know, it's just, you know, God just through all of it, he's just, if you listen to his voice, if you're, if you're, if you're tender and you listen to his voice and you know his voice, then you walk in that, even if the world does totally doesn't understand. You see how throughout the word of God with Abraham and, you know, going to where? Yeah. You don't know where you're going. You just go, you know? Yeah. You just don't always know. Just keep going. Just just listen to his voice. Your podcast, your whatever it is, that if you know his voice, you walk in that, and he will provide. Yeah. And he will give you the strength, and you see how weak you are. Mm-hmm. But in our weakness, he is strong. Yeah. And I think that's what I love is uh, there's such a high expectation that I need to be able to carry everything. I need to be able to handle right. everything. I need to... Before I can trust the Lord, I first need to get myself together. Before I can become, you know, a Christian or have a relationship with God, I first need to get, remove all of the things in my life that make me imperfect. But in reality, like you said, I mean, what your your dad said to you when you were eight years old, which is, it's so true with, with our father is he loves you where you are right now. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that you could have already done or will do to remove his love from you. And that that is such a hard truth to accept that someone can love you with all of the things that you have, with all the things that you've done, with all the things that have been done onto you and the things that you feel like should be unforgivable or the people you are unable to forgive. It's it's so true. God loves you and it's a very hard truth to accept though to believe in a reality where where you stand right now, there is no exception. There's no such thing as yeah, but I know like it where you are That's right. is where he loves you. There is no checklist that you have to check off to get to that point. There is no um, set of five things that you need to complete, a 
that plan. Like there's mm-hmm. everything that you are in that moment by just believing that you are loved and and believing that like Jesus came so that you could accept it, so that you could yes. embrace that love. Because before, yeah, like there were all of these rules and expectations, but Jesus came to break down all of the man-made things that people are starting to create, all of these random beliefs that they started to, like, I just, all of the difficult things. Um, I mean, even like the Pharisees would say like, oh, we can't enter the house of a tax collector because then we become dirty and then we have to go and cleanse ourselves. Meanwhile, Jesus would have dinner in that house and would sit because that's where he wanted to be. And it's a perfect example of your life where you want, that's where you want to be. And when the spirit is in your heart, everyone is led differently, but you go where you are called and you do so joyously. And it's such a hard truth to believe a lot of the times is I am loved where I am right now with all of my imperfections, where my finances stand, where my relationship stands, where like what I look like, who I am around. That doesn't matter. A lot of people think that as soon as you, jump into a relationship with Jesus, you have to immediately 360 your life. And that's a lot of the times that's not it. You, if you just start by having a simple relationship and allowing him to be in your life, then God does everything else. Then God will surround you by people who want to support you and love you and cheer for you for who you are and not because you got all the good hits or you struck out, but because of who you are as a person. And that is the beauty behind relationship with God. And it's it's beautiful to see that in your life. And it kind of, you reminded me a little bit of uh, Pastor Kendrick when you said, you know, they, like these $10,000 and then this new AC, it's kind of like when he said, you, with 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 a woman who tithed and he said, you, you yes. better come through for her. And that moment, <laughs> it's like, Lord. <laughs> I love that. What he you said you that. better come through for me. Like, what do you mean? And so, yeah, it's, you're right. God doesn't pay for everything, but if it's his will and you let his will reign over your life, life becomes easier and it is becoming harder because you have to deny yourself your flesh. Yeah. You have to deny yourself wanting to cheat on your spouse because yeah. that's a momentary flesh moment. Right. And, and, and what you put on the line is all of these years of, of memories and, in, in life and relationship and over one second you can lose it and then it starts this horrible domino effect. So denying yourself to then not have to face even oh, in that moment it might seem triumphant and good, but then you look at the payout of that and it's not good. It's right. horrible and it's this domino effect of pain and all of these things and the things that you can lose. And it's just kind of like people talk about, you know, Christianity and how hard it is and all the rules that there are, but God by himself, like uh, the spirit alone will soften your heart. Like you said, like you want to lose your temper, but you can feel the spirit say, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 we're going to show grace in this moment. And, and we're not going to lash out on this person and we're not going to rip their head off, even though we want to, we're so imperfect. There've been plenty of times where I'm like, oh, I need to step back. I have an attitude right now. That's not fair to that person. And the Holy Spirit will quickly grab your attention and say, oh, we're not, we're not behaving the way that we should. And a lot of the times it, there are stereotypes that Christians are, you know, have this high expectation for you and that you should be perfect and reading your Bible and coming to church every single day. But your relationship, relationship starts with the Lord, just you and him no one else is in that relationship. And that's, that's, that's beautiful because right. it's different for everyone. Your relationship um, with 
Jesus versus Debbie's relationship with Jesus. Although you guys are in a relationship, it's so different in her life and in your life. Yeah, but you learn to embrace that. Like the time yeah. she points her finger for me to go a certain direction, she's trying to help me because mm -hmm. I'm terrible with directions. It's not a personal <laughs> offense. Yeah. So I've learned to embrace and like the things that are different than me. Yeah. And 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 laugh about them, like because that's Debbie, you know, and just mm -hmm. like she, they know me, you know. That my car is going to be messy sometimes, and you know I'm in a hurry trying to get to this person. If I'm late, sometimes I'm because I'm talking to some guy that nobody would talk to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you know, it doesn't mean it's right to be. You know, I I try to get a schedule and to be on time, yeah. but sometimes I get you know because of my like ADHD tough stuff I'm like talking to some grocery person because they needed somebody to talk to yeah, yeah and you know and I lose track of the time you know but but you everybody kind of laughs and they just go you know dad's kind of you know I'm you know be dad can be like <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's like Jim Elliott was one of my heroes of the faith and he was mm. a guy who was killed by the Aka Indians uh, mm. uh, when he was a missionary and uh he said, he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Mm -hmm. And I read his memoirs and he said, Lord, bathe me in the oil of your spirit that I might burn constantly for you. Wow. And good. so the spirit of God's on you that you burn constantly for him. Yeah. And Corey Tinboon was one of my my heroes too. And she was um, in a concentration camp and her whole family was killed because they hid Jews and she was a Christian mm. and she lost her whole family and she survived by a miracle. If you read her story, you know, the hiding place, but she said, there is no pit too deep that God's not deeper still. Wow. So true. And so it, he's deep. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's the key, you know, and, uh, we got to look at ourselves. I remember one time I brought in, I was helping people that lived in tents and I brought them to church and I brought like 10 or 12 of them. And I was in the hallway and uh, just so happy that they were there. Some lady walked up to me and said, um, hey, how do you expect me to worship when I have these people that smell around me? They stink. Mm. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, they're not the ones that smell, ma'am. Mm. And she goes, what's that supposed to mean? And I go, you figure it out. Oh, Yeah. So and she goes, I'm going to talk to the pastor. I go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to come in here and tell me that these people smell. Yeah. You're the one that smells. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is happy with them. Yeah. Does not care what what they have on their back. If they smell so bad, take them home. Yeah. Give Help them a shower. Them. Help them. Open your shower to them and and give them your soap. And help them smell better. Yeah, so help don't them identify smell. the problem and then walk away and do nothing for it. You're mad at me because you don't like. <laughs> oh my goodness! And that's honestly that's such a great note too about everything is what God can do with your pain, what God yes. can do with your pain, and how He can use it. Because a lot of the people, a lot of the time, people's pain is their testimony. Yeah, it's proof of God's love. It's the depth of who God is, you know, in our in our deepest, his strength is, mm -hmm. he's there and just loves you. He looks at you and just does not, he yeah. understands and identifies. And it's okay to go outside like I did and go, God, what in the world do you, I mean, my air conditioner broke. I mean, what, he's a big enough God to handle that. You talk to God like, God, what's up? Why, 
the world did this happen? Why yeah. didn't my husband leave me? Yeah. Why did this happen? What are you doing? Yeah. Even to yell at him, man, mm. he's a big God. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't realize this was a thing until Martin told me, but uh, I was I was talking about the Bible and I told him like, oh my gosh, I try to read Lament, Lamentations, Lamentations yeah. one time. I couldn't do it. I was like, it's tough in there. And he's like, oh yeah, it's definitely people expressing their sorrow. And he was like, well, you know, when I was in college, we actually did that for someone. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, well, we, in a in a group of students um, led by someone, we brought someone in who was really struggling and kind of became, got, got in a circle for them and allowed them to lament in a spiritually filled room, like to yes. bring it to the Lord. And we just were there. And sometimes you would talk or sometimes you wouldn't respond. Like we would let them process and bring it to the Lord. And also we just surrounded them in that state and prayed over them and truly let them lament. And I was shocked. I said, this is a thing. This is a thing yes. that people would do. Where has this been? Where can yeah. I sign up the next time I need it? And it was, it was such a relief too to think like, to normalize lamenting, to normalize mm -hmm. your sorrow, to normalize that God wants you to come to him when you are upset and angry. Yep. Because when you don't go to him, the enemy will use it instead. And he, right. will, he will be like, yeah, why didn't he do that for you? Why, why would the AC break if he's by your side? If he truly was by, kind of like Job, you know, Job did nothing wrong. And all of his friends were like, you must have done something wrong to have the treatment that you're receiving now. Yeah. And we, nice when you read it now, you're like, no, he didn't do anything wrong. God That's was right. making a point, and I mean, he got twice everything back. But in the in the in in the end of it, your sorrow and your pain brings you closer to God. You just have to be willing to bring it to God, to humble yourself before the Lord and say, "What the heck? Yeah. I am in pain right now. I am disappointed right now. Maybe I had a higher expectation than what I did. Like, open my eyes and reveal to me what I'm not seeing." What are you growing me in right now? Is this, I prayed for faith. Is this you you putting me in, in faith? It, I paid for, I prayed for patience. Is this you making me be patient? And so, so good off of everything that you've said so far, like God truly loves everything that you come with and every, your, your entire load, no matter how big, how grimy or dirty or whatever it is, how smelly, he doesn't care. He wants all of that. And so, God can do so much with our pain and what, I mean, as I'm sure you already know, like what I'm hoping to do with this podcast and what you have so like openly and willingly provided today with your story and, and everything that you've opened up about is, is so incredible because God can move in your life. And he moved, I yes. mean, he literally moved heaven and earth. Like you were up in, in, in heaven in your plane going to those girls and on when you landed, you felt what you felt when you were there. And so God is just, there is no, um, what is it? Um, county line for God. Like That's there's right. no such thing that you, you, you flew over there and then God said, you're on your own now, buddy. I don't know. You got there. You don't have to figure it out. Yeah. He, he rolled there with you and he came back with you and he still moved your heart. And I think the key also is that for me at 62 is my deepest prayer. And you kind of said it earlier is I want to finish. I don't want to ruin my testimony down the mm. stretch. I mean, that's my goal. I want to finish uh, strong. Mm. I want to be like Caleb. You know, I want, yeah. to, I want to go get that which God has given me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's mine. I want to go get it. And I want to finish strong. I want to finish with a testimony. I want to finish with, yeah. for my children and for my, you know, I don't want to falter on the stretch run. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think that's the key. Most people die 
when they climb Mount Everest on the descent, not on. Wow. That's good. When they're coming down because they lose. Hey man, we made it. What, what else is there for me to do? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, I want to finish strong and that's my prayer. I want to finish, uh, you know, I don't, I want to know God deeper. I yeah. want to know him, you know, I want yeah. to, I want him to use us to even greater things, whatever that might be. Um, I don't know what that is. Yeah. That's amazing. But that, cause that is relation to what I said earlier, like David, you start so strong and something happened. Exactly. Noah, you start so strong and something happened. And that to me has always been very fascinating in, in the descent. What happened? Why, what I relate to that where I constantly pray too. Like I, I want to remain humble and open yes. and growing. I do not want to become like David and lose my way. Like I am, I am going to be imperfect, but yes. may I never lose sight of the power of prayer and seeking you out and all of those things. So that, that's incredible. That is incredible that you mentioned that because it's, and to anyone listening, it's also important to, to take in of how much longer are you willing to sit on your hands and limit yourself to everything that you're capable of and to discover what God has placed in you? Because the longer you sit on your hands, the more time you steal from yourself. I know that firsthand. Like, like once you allow your hands to, to, to free themselves and to take that step with your hands unchained, it is incredible what God can do in your life and the things that he can move. So yeah, like ask yourself, ask the Lord, what am I not allowing myself to see? And what am I not allowing myself to believe in? The most that you have to lose is you just go back to where you currently are. If you don't succeed in whatever it is that you think you need to be succeeding. And then then that's not a bad idea to just go back where you are. You're already fine here and you're comfortable here and you've been comfortable here this entire time. Why not take that step? Get curious and see what happens, because if that's the worst case scenario, then the best case scenario can only be a hundredfold more of what you can have. And when you trust him and you go out, you get to see some things that are like that will blow you away. When I saw that my little Leah's face and Mm -hmm. God spoke to me when I did, when I see God work in those doctor's hearts and I see guys walking them, give me 10 grand and and you see the the power of God and you see them, your daughter's saved and you see them now. You know, I dropped one of my daughters off at college, you know, at community college and she drove me there. And she, when I first got her, she was so, she was so malnourished. It was Savita, our second. Mm-hmm. When she was so malnourished, she couldn't walk to the mailbox. Wow. She was abandoned at four. Wow. By, and she walked and looked for her mommy for two days. Mm. And then later on, she was attacked and had her throat cut. Mm. And she was to the world, nothing. Yeah. So I drop her off at a community college and she's brilliant and smart. I mean, smarter than I could ever wish to be. Yeah. And she's going to do these amazing things. And, and she does sign language and she's like, could Incredible. be anything she wants. She's like so talented. And I drop her off and she's a real thinker, you know. Yeah. She gets out of the car and, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, you know, go to the gym and try to stay in shape to keep <laughs> up with these girls. And, and I'm going down and I'm just about... And she sticks her head back in and she's just a woman of words, just a few words, like, you know, to speak them. She says, dad, just think when I first got here, I couldn't walk to the mailbox. Mm. Wow. She said, I drove you here today and I'm going to college. Wow. See ya. She takes off. (laughs) And I'll leave you with that. (laughs) Balling in the car. I'm like trying to drive down highway 40. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck did you just say to me? (laughs) 
But it's just these glimpses that people don't understand when you're in wow. God's will wow. and you do it no matter how much pain or hurt or heartache or what the cost is. You mm. count the cost. When you follow Jesus Christ, you count the cost. When you fo- He looked at them all when they were following him. Everybody wanted to get on the bandwagon. And he said, you need to deny yourself mm. and you need to follow me. You need yeah. to take pick up, up your, your cross. cross. But with that comes these blessings that go beyond any type of riches or power or money. What she said to me made it worth everything. Mm, priceless. Absolutely. Or when I baptized them all. Oh, you did? Yes. Wow. That's amazing. What an And honor. I even have one now that's denying the Lord right yeah. now in her life. And that's fine because yeah. I just told her, I said, we love you no matter what. Yeah. This is your faith and your thing. You know, you know, mommy and I are always going to love you. Yeah. Really? You know, yeah. she's looking for that. But my point is that if anybody's listening, that that you, it's not when you said earlier that people say, well, following Jesus, it's freedom, it's, it's joy, it's strength, it's hope, it's life. When you wake up, you have purpose and you know, and when you step out for God, there's no matter what the cost, it's mm-hmm. worth every bit of it. Even if the worst thing scenario is you, if you, if you die, mm-hmm. you're with Jesus, mm-hmm. yeah. you're with Christ. Mm-hmm. And when we get there, I think that we're not going to sit there and worry about what people thought. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful to think that God saw her, all of those, all of those girls yeah. from where they were, where no one else would see them or would bother to look in their direction. The Lord said, I want her yeah. and I want you to go get her for me. I need someone. I can only, it's giving your child over to someone and, and trust, entrusting them with that. Yeah. What the Lord did was, I am handing you my daughter and I want you to take care of her and I want you to love her and to pour into her. And the Lord saw her, saw the things done to her and said, I am a redeemer. I love Amen. my children. I care for my kids. I bring life. And one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible when I first became in relationship with the Lord, always stuck with me, was Ezekiel 36, 26, which is, I will take your cold stone heart and I will give you one of flesh and blood and beating. And that's the representation of his kingdom. That's the representation of God's true heart is he doesn't care where you are. He doesn't care how stonified your heart may be, how hard it may be. Like he will crack and open it. And when it opens, what it will reveal inside is a heart, a flesh, a beating one, no matter how, I mean, Saul is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I love the story of how you went from killing Christians. Like you're, you're, the, you're living and breathing. All you did was hunt down Christians, murder them. And then you and go righteously from, in yeah, his mind. Exactly. And you go from that to becoming a Christian. The same very person who that. you hunted is the person you became. And so that to me is yeah. speaks volumes about the Lord. Like he looks and he sees, and I, I want you. And so there is nowhere where you are right now that God cannot not want you. Like he wants you, he wants to be with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And that that verse has always spoke life to me. And I love that you were so obedient because now you have that blessing to have that conversation and be driving. And it's not raining outside, but somehow everything's really blurry all of a sudden. And and that's people say, what are you doing now in ministry? And I'm like, you know, I felt God called me. God spoke to me and said, I want you to be a dad to these girls. Mm. Wow. He said, you're really good at being a dad. Mm, What an honor. So when you see all the ministry stuff and you go, 
look at all that stuff. And then, but God said, I want you to be a dad to these girls. Mm. So every day I hug them mm. and I speak into their hearts. Yeah. And I love them like, a, you know, I, I poured my heart into trying to be the best dad. And I come home at night and they're sleeping and I just go in their hallway and I, I pray for them. Wow. I say, God, what an honor it is to, to be the dad. Yeah. To get the steward over your children. You know, I just threw, I just practiced for 10 hours. Wow. I mean, I worked for 10 hours. Yeah. But honestly, it's a joy. Yeah. It really is. Because it's just, because God's spirit, just the peace of that. I don't know what it is. It's hard, but it's not hard. It's like, it's not a, it's not a burden. Yeah. But for the flesh, it's hard. You know, yeah. like it can be exhausting. It be, but like for your spirit, it's that's what I'm. That's what folks. If you're listening out there, it's this. It's that when you're in His will, mm-hmm. there's peace mm-hmm. in the midst. Even if it's you're going to be a martyr, the worst thing everybody always worries about. I think there's something happens in that point when it's death that mm-hmm. God will make a way for you to you know yeah. peace yeah. of the death. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I just, I've seen people die yeah. as a minister. I've watched it. I've watched people who don't know Jesus and I've watched people who know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's something that's there. There's something. So powerful. That, it's powerful. Yeah. Kind of like the lion's den. I mean. Yeah. It's like a lot of Christians oof. died in there, but there's something. There were people leading people to Christ in while they're getting eaten yeah. by lions. Yeah. And there were Romans that were jumping in and getting eaten too and yeah. accepting Jesus. Yeah. I mean, what the yeah. what in the world's that, you know? That that goes beyond any understanding. <laughs> and to leave on that note, I know you're a very rich man, That's so right. I won't keep you all day, but I, I I appreciate you and um, appreciate all the time that you've spent here and uh, yeah. you know, hopefully one day I can have you back and we can Yeah, that's great. Talk more. I feel like God we can talk you. all day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to what God has done with my pain. As always, a huge shout out to Lazuli for her song, No Greater Love, that has helped make this podcast come to life. You can find her on Spotify and Instagram at Lazuli P-R-O-J and at We The New Breed, where you'll find artists using their gifts to glorify God. Swing by at What Way This Way on Instagram to catch some behind the scenes snippets. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview. In the meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media or email. Until the next episode.